0: Hey everybody, this is Nate Mattson, the producer and sometimes host of Beyond Normal. This is our final episode of season one, and when we recorded this a couple weeks ago, the world was a different place. The brutal murder of George Floyd has changed everything. Beyond Normal is produced in Minneapolis, a city Tom, Amy, and myself love dearly. It's a city that's reeling right now from George Floyd's death that's been thrown into the international spotlight and is now the face for some deep-seated, systemic racial problems in our country. To be honest, we weren't sure how to put out this last episode. It just didn't feel right. But then we started talking internally, and we were reminded that, once again, normal wasn't working in the first place. The murder of George Floyd happened because of normal. What we need to do is go beyond normal. So please, go check on your neighbors and your loved ones. Start having those tough conversations about how we as a society can get better, how we can use this as an opportunity to create some real lasting change. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to check out the episode of Beyond Normal featuring Aparna Ray. I think she and Amy get to the heart of some of the racial issues that we're facing today, and they discuss a few ways we can start working towards a more equitable and equal society. So with that... Here's the last episode of Season 1 of Beyond Normal. Take care, everybody.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Tom Godfrey from The Big No. This is our last episode of Season 1 for Beyond Normal. It's funny even to say that because two months ago, Beyond Normal wasn't even a thing. We had always wanted to make a podcast for The Big No, but it's one of those ideas that sat on the shelf along with a lot of other really cool stuff we might do someday. But when the world went on lockdown, we all felt like we wanted to do something to respond. And this was it. So we called up every health and well-being expert we've ever worked with and asked if they'd help us. We assumed we'd get five or six of them to lend a hand and we'd have a little podcast. Within 24 hours, 17 of them said yes. Then pretty much the entire Big No team jumped into high gear trying to figure out how to make it happen as quickly as possible. One of the first decisions we had to make was what to call it. We went through so many names. Alone Together, that was my first choice. Turns out it was already a book and a podcast and a trending hashtag on Twitter. From a Distance, I liked it at first, but I was reminded that From a Distance was a Bette Midler song from her movie Beaches, so that was no go. No offense, Bette. Stuck Inside, that was one I liked for the wordplay. Stuck Inside Her Home, Stuck Inside Her Minds, some really deep stuff there. But it was deemed too negative, so that didn't fly. We must have thrown out about 50 different ideas. Most of them were bad, and the ones that weren't were already taken. Turns out there's a lot of podcasts out there. Then my colleague Paul suggested calling it Finding Normal. And my smart aleck reply was, we don't want normal. Normal is part of the problem. What we want is beyond normal. Beyond Normal explores what it takes to cultivate and maintain our well-being in this time of national and global crisis. My team and I at The Big No have been bringing you conversations with thought leaders across different facets of health and well-being so we can understand and teach others what it takes to be well in today's world. There were a lot of people involved in making this podcast happen, but for this last episode, I wanted to bring together my two co-hosts to look back on our favorite moments of Beyond Normal Season 1. Nate Matson and Amy Conger are writers on my team. They're both very talented at making online health and well-being courses. Neither of them ever hosted a podcast before all this, and it turns out they're really great at that too. So, Nate and Amy, thanks for joining me today.
2: Thanks, Tom. Hey, Tom.
1: Okay, guys, so here's how I want this to work. I want each of us to take turns sharing our two favorite moments from the last two months of episodes, and I'm going to start with you, Amy. What is the first moment you want to share? Who was it with? Why did you pick it? And then uh, maybe we can listen to it.
2: All right. So my first pick is the episode where Tom talks to Pilar Gerasimo. She lists some of her nonconformist competencies, which are all about using your energy and attention to transcend many of the unhealthy norms in our culture. So this one is all about continuous growth and learning, which is something that I'm always trying to do. But it really takes on a whole different meaning in the
3: time of COVID-19 let's take a listen. The third nonconformist competency I call continuous growth and learning because we have to remember that nobody has taught us the skills that we need to survive in the society we're living in now because nobody has had to do it before. Everybody is figuring it out as we go. And it really does take a new set of modern day survival skills to navigate the environments that we're confronted with every single day. And those are not skills that we learn in school. Healthy people are usually healthy because they have begun to master these skills or they've mastered a bunch of them, but anybody can learn them if they choose to. The challenge is it's really impossible to learn them all at once. And it's an easy setup for failure. If you feel like, I don't know how, I can't, it's too hard, I'll never learn it. Those mindsets are really disempowering to people and it stops them from ever beginning. But each of us ultimately has to decide what we're energized to learn and to do now.
1: All right, Amy. So that was a great quote from Polar. Why did you pick that one?
3: Well, what
2: I hear her saying is that we're all figuring it out as we go and you can't learn it all at once. So what are you going to concentrate on learning now? And to me, that just really resonated. It took away some of the pressure, like, oh, I need to figure out how to stay home right. I need to figure out how to balance my work and my home and my personal time all at once. Um, and it feeling like I wasn't really doing any of those things real great. So listening to that made me think, all right, let me just concentrate on one thing at a time <laughs> and try to get better at that.
1: <laughs> what have you been trying to concentrate on learning then?
2: Well, lately, I've really been thinking about these boundaries between my work time and my personal time and my family time, trying to make sure that all those things are accommodated for. I've found when I try to go in and out of those too quickly, then I feel like I can't focus. Um, And when I've sacrificed my personal time, when I don't have any personal time, then I just do the other two really badly. I'm kind of cranky to my family and uh, I get more anxious at work.
1: I don't think I've ever experienced cranky Amy. <laughs> I don't uh, know <laughs> if she exists, really.
2: Reserved for my family only.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Thank you. <laughs> what I got out of that quote, I think, especially in health and well-being, it's like we're always looking for, like, the cure-all to everything, and then we try it, and it doesn't work, and we get bummed out. And what I'm taking from this is that it's cool to keep trying and to keep exploring. And I think that's key to all this well-being stuff is you may not be good at one thing, but you may be good at other things. So just kind of keep exploring.
1: I I like that quote too. And I hone in on the the message that these are skills that we haven't been taught before, and i that's something that we've been talking about a long time, well before all this, is that well-being, like being good at life, is not part of the core curriculum, unfortunately, and it should be. However, um, this was or is a time for us to insert it, uh, especially even with our kids that are home with us, <laughs> not at school, um, and making that part of the curriculum. We have a lot more voice in what that curriculum is, so that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Well, thank you, Amy, for going first. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Nate, so what's your first snippet you want to share with us? Who
0: is it and why? Yeah, so I got to admit, this was actually really hard for me because I've been closely tied to all the episodes and I. Well, you made them all. <laughs> yeah, I made them all. But like, I, I kept coming back to Richard Leiter in his purpose episode. I thought it was really interesting to think about not only purpose, because that's something that I've struggled with forever is just finding my purpose in life, but then also thinking about purpose in the context of a pandemic even. It's like maybe now we can use this as an opportunity to find our purpose. And I just love the way he breaks down this existential question of like, what is your purpose? And he breaks it down into a math equation.
4: So let's listen to it here. There is an equation for purpose that has been well-studied by me and researched by me and others for years. And it goes like this g plus p plus v equals your calling or your purpose in this case calling is a, is a, uh, a vocational word for, for purpose so if you get up in the morning and you use your most motivated most enjoyed gifts talents on things you feel purposeful or passionate or curious about in an environment where you have a voice that where you, your values are respected and, and honored you got a pretty good chance of what they call flow, or being in the zone, or really feeling like you're energized and doing things that are a good fit for you. And you know, we spend 60% of our life working. The biggest block of our time is spent somehow doing some work, no matter how we define that. So there's a distinction here between having a job, having a career, and having a calling. And people do better and are healthier and live 7 to 10 years longer when they have a calling. We are in this whole pandemic,
0: coronavirus, sheltering in place, and I did this math equation. And what was really interesting for me is we're putting together this podcast, and I was in the flow, baby. The math was
1: (laughs) true. You sure were. (laughs) The equation worked. Well, let's let's flesh out that equation, because Richard kind of goes through it a little quickly there, because his famous purpose equation is G plus P plus V equals purpose. And so the G is your gifts, your P is your passions, your V is your values and those three things together when they're aligned, then you are living on purpose. So you, you're you saying when you were working on this podcast, you were in full alignment. Why? Why do you say that? I mean, I agree. It felt like
0: that. You were flowing. Well, what struck me about it is when we set out to create this podcast, I immediately felt like I was put in a position to use some of my gifts. I'm naturally drawn to well-being content and media. It's just what I do, you know? The passion piece is I'm passionate about this stuff, too. And I was ready and willing to pull up my sleeves and help out however I can, especially now during this crisis. And then the values piece, that's huge too. I think us as a company, we are built to create well-being content. And this was an opportunity to reach a broader audience in a whole new way. So it was super cool.
1: Well, I'm glad that you feel like this was a great way to express your passion and purpose because now I don't feel nearly as bad as for all the extra hours that I made you work <laughs> in doing so. <laughs> I was going to give you some time off, but now I don't have to. Don't do that. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you did hit your flow state, Nate. At uh, one time, I remember talking to you when you we just kind of first started launching this and first started recording those episodes. And you said to me that you're working just crazy hours, but it just felt important. It just felt... It felt good to do something. And I think that might be that flow state he's mentioning.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that, Nate. And uh, now I guess it's my turn. So I'm going to share my favorite moment. And that actually comes from a conversation you had, Nate, with uh, Tim Desmond. So uh, Tim Desmond is the self compassion expert, a psychologist who uh, practices Buddhism and meditation and brings all that into uh, how he supports people dealing with all sorts of different uh, challenging emotions. Um, but your episode really focused on the emotion of grief, which is, I think, interesting that I think a lot of people might be feeling that emotion right now, not just people who have lost somebody, although there's a lot of people who have lost somebody, and that's very scary, but also just there's a lot of feeling of loss and general loss of our Our normalcy, a loss of uh, um, certainty, (laughs) or at least the belief that we had some. (laughs) And so I think your conversation with Tim was really a powerful one. I loved the whole thing. I loved how he talked about um, our need to live with grief and not try to get over grief. (laughs) I think that's really important. I think a lot of us kind of come at this with this idea that that's, you know, you have a loss and then you need to get over it. Um, And he kind of put that aside right away, which is great. Um, But I also love what he had to say at the very end, which is that the only way to really live with suffering is to work on finding ways to cultivate joy in our lives. Joy doesn't necessarily help us overcome pain, but helps us live with that pain. And um, I think that it can be really hard right now for us to, to find those moments of joy when we're really stressed out. And, but he offered a really simple strategy for finding joy. So let's listen to that.
5: If you're trying to kind of look at or deal with or sit with, or whatever you call it, painful experiences in your life, and you're just feeling exhausted or, or overwhelmed by it. Often what's happening is that what you really need is to be spending more time cultivating joy. I think that for most of us right now, looking at the practice of of cultivating joy, I think is probably a big thing that's missing. The core practices of cultivating joy, the, the first one is paying attention to the positive conditions that are already present in your life. And my favorite exercise to notice what's positive in your life is the practice of the non-toothache. Appreciating your non-toothache. So like if you had a toothache right now, if you had a really bad toothache right now, you would be thinking, if only my teeth didn't hurt, I'd be so happy. Well, there you go. Your teeth don't hurt.
1: (laughs) I love that. Yeah, so good. Yeah, that's so good. What I love about that is obviously... (laughs) Uh, The simplicity of it, you know Sometimes it's really hard to recognize What's good in your life, and he just gave you a really Simple way to do that, but I also Have to acknowledge, starting about two days Ago, my tooth started Hurting, so now I'm gonna have To find something else, (laughs) but still You got a lot of teeth, man (laughs) Well, I guess some of my teeth don't hurt, you're right So the one that does hurt is kind of being present (laughs) Right now, you're right, the other ones On the right aren't hurting, so maybe I should feel joy About that, Uh, but No, I think sometimes we we find it so hard to see the positive, and everybody says, "Well, just you know, think positively or um, be you know, show gratitude," and it's really hard. So, like being able to say, "Well, what's something that might be bad that's not bad?" I like that. That's a simple way to look at it.
2: This is something I think about a lot, like not having it hurt. Um, I broke my leg, I don't know, about a decade ago. It was a pretty bad break and I still kind of hurts my knee every once in a while. But there's so many times that I go for a walk and I just think to myself, look at this, like my legs work. I'm walking. Ooh, isn't walking amazing? It's having that little bit of lack that gives you that perspective of, wow, it's really great when things work.
0: (laughs) Since that conversation, I've been actively trying to do that more as well, where, you know, when I'm sort of in a funk, I'll just look at all the good stuff
1: and it helps. I really enjoyed the Tim Desmond episode, by the way, Nate, that you did a really good job in that one. Thank um, you. I mean, you all did a good job. Everybody did a good job. <laughs> but that was a really good one. Um, so Amy, it's your turn again. Uh, so what was your next favorite moment?
2: So this one comes from our very first episode with Elijah Goldstein. Um, And I'll admit that I actually have listened to this episode multiple times because there's just a lot of good stuff in there. Um, You know, one thing I think about is that sometimes the chaos in this pandemic just feels too huge. There's times that I don't even know where to start in helping myself feel better about it or process what's going to happen next. It just, there's a lot of overwhelm. Um, So I just love how simple he makes it. You know, when you're looking at uncomfortable emotions, name the feeling you have, and then ask, um, you know, what do I need right now? He explains it a little bit better than I do. So let's listen to it.
6: The first thing you want to do with anything is name it. Like no reason to pull the wool over our eyes or try to think something's different. Just name it. It's so simple. Like in that way, it's like what's happening right now. For me, it was grief. And so I said, wow, there's, there's grief here. I'm feeling kind of down. So that means I'm imbalanced in that moment. I mean, just to, just to say, meaning like there's something that need that I'm needing." That usually, when you're feeling uncomfortable emotions, it's usually because you're needing something, you know. And so, what I was needing is more connection, and to talk with someone about it. And um, and so, for me, I'm I'm fortunate. I have a wife that I can I can talk to about it, um, who I lives in the same house with me. But I also realized I really needed to make more contact with my sister, and I needed to make more contact with my dad. And I needed to make I needed to I needed to be active in making those contacts, maybe more than I'm used to being active in doing that. And as I started making more of those contacts, I started, well, as I started naming it, it started to feel a little better, but as I started making more of those contacts, it started um, feeling you know, a little
2: better. So I like how it's just this real simple process, Um, you know, name it and then see what it is you need right now. Uh, So example is, you know, there's been moments where I've just been like, man, are we ever going to get like, are things ever going to happen again? Do I have anything to look forward to? Um, And so I'll name, okay, I'm feeling a little hopeless right now. I'm feeling a little despondent. What can I, what can I actually do right now? I can give myself something to look forward to. So I'm going to schedule like a, Zoom happy hour with a friend on Friday. Or I'm going to decide that I'm going to FaceTime my grandma um, at the end of the week. You know, just give myself something to look forward to. And that's that's helpful to me. Gives you a little bit of a process. So have, have you guys found that helpful at all?
1: The simplicity of it, just like naming it a theme I'm hearing. And what you just said and what uh, Elijah said and what Tim said and what many of our experts said is this idea that naming it and then focusing immediately on not on the, what you can't control, but on those things you can, like, and trying to find some things that you can control will help, uh, will help you navigate this. And I think what you just said, like, oh, I'm going to, so I can, I can call my, uh, grandmother. I can do these things. I'm just going to focus on those things. And that, that is helpful.
2: Just a little twist in the mindset a little bit to what you can control. Exactly.
0: When you name it, it sort of takes the power away from whatever emotion it is that you're having. I've been doing it more to Amy where I've been naming my emotion. And the other day I said, I'm mad to the person I was talking to and because I was. And then I started thinking previously, I maybe would have held that in, you know, and then that boils up and then it just becomes a sort of passive aggressive anger. But when I just like got it out and I said, I'm mad right now, all of a sudden that almost like diffused it. There's a lot of power in saying how you feel.
2: It's almost like, I refuse to fake it anymore. Like, you know what? I'm mad. I'm not going to act like I'm not. It kind of helps you move on then.
1: Absolutely. You're right. I, I love all of what Elijah had to say. And that was a fantastic uh, episode. And it was our first episode, actually, which uh, kind of set the tone for all of these things. So thank you for picking uh, Elijah's. That was a really good one to listen to. So Nate, <laughs> uh, so we've heard if we've heard Amy's two favorites. Nate, let's hear your second favorite.
0: So my next fave comes from the Renaissance man himself, Andrew Zimmern, which as we've been recording this podcast, the coronavirus news has just been changing every day. And that's been kind of part of the interesting piece of this. And when we talked to Andrew, he was pretty fresh off of some big changes to the restaurant industry. But what stuck with me about it is that even when he was sort of reeling and trying to figure out the future of food and it's sort of this big moment for an industry... I could hear him still talk about the healing power of food and he was already like starting to hint at the silver linings of how food can be used as a device to heal and bring
5: peace and do all these things. So let's take a listen. The more you can learn to cook and share food, the better off our our society will be. If we learn to cook healthy, nutritious food for each other, we're healing our system one of the things I see changing is like more people are eating and cooking together at home than ever before, maybe in 50 years by necessity. So maybe people are going to see, you know, something it's worth it to cook and be together. And it's worth it to make sure that other people who can't afford to cook and be together are given enough in our society to cook and be together.
0: So he's clearly using the pandemic as an opportunity for us to lean into food and to use it as a device that he's clearly always seen it as being this sort of way to get people together and to bring peace. But it's kind of a call to action for us all to get back in the kitchen, be with our loved ones, share food, make sure we have a healthy society. And I just thought that was sort of inspiring. And, and to be honest with you, since we've been sheltering in place, I have been eating healthier at home. I think it's really an interesting thing.
1: If you go to any of the (laughs) grocery stores out there, you can see that everybody's cooking a whole lot more. There's no flour. There's no sugar. I had to go to two different grocery stores to get sugar. Uh, I'm guessing the things that you make with flour and sugar aren't always the healthiest things, but... uh, they're good and they do bring us they their comforting and they bring us together. But you're right. I think that I do hope that that's something that does come of this, that people have learned that, Oh, you know what? I don't need to buy all my meals. Although I, I, I don't want us to stop um, supporting our restaurants, of course, but there is a lot to be said for the social nature of food and the skill of, of cooking and how that can in itself be a way to connect with others. Um, and just improve yourself
2: meals are definitely becoming an anchor to my day having that routine brings a little bit of comfort to me and then having that you know routine of sitting down with my family and eating together has been really helpful for us too again kind of going back to my balancing of my different kinds of time it gives us that little bit of family time time to take care of ourselves yeah
1: it does though highlight to me that not to be negative the thing that we're all missing at least i am for sure like i I remember Amy, um, before all this, well, before all this, uh, you said something at work that, um, you'd brought in the entire office mm. some soup and you said soup's my soup's my love language. That <laughs> it, thing is. Is. it was good soup too. And, <laughs> I remember it was so good. <laughs> it was, it was good soup. Yeah. Anyway. Um, But that is something I miss is like having friends over. I mean, I've been making a lot of meals for my family, uh, which is great. And they and they appreciate it, I think. But like being able to invite friends over and hang out together and everybody's like, well, throw a Zoom dinner. And that's cool. Zoom happy hours. They're cool. But, you know, I have that idea of like just coming over, hanging around a table eating and drinking all night long, uh, that that I need that it's back. It's not the same
2: as standing around the kitchen counter with the appetizers and the glass of wine in your hand and just chit-chatting. There's nothing that compares with that.
0: Another silver lining, though, is that there are going to be so many artisanal bread makers out there. So by the time this is done, there'll be so many bakeries. So <laughs> I look forward to that.
1: Yeah, that'd be good. That'll be good for our waistlines. That's what I'm 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 feeling the non waistline cuz every pant every pant of mine is uh, elastic band. So, there's no
2: a- no need for belts in quarantine.
1: Uh well okay, so Uh, Thanks for sharing that one, Nate. I did really enjoy your conversation with AZ as well. But I get the honor of being able to share the last greatest hit from season one of Beyond Normal. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if there's going to be a second season, but I hope so. So this last greatest hit comes from our second episode when we talked with marriage and family therapist Jen Elmquist about what all this sheltering in place might mean for our relationships and what we can do to make sure that all the stress that comes with quarantine doesn't cause us just to turn into jerks uh, with our partners. All over the country, they're loosening restrictions and some people are even starting to go back to work or starting to go back to some aspect of normalcy in their lives and it's gonna be really interesting to me to see how couples have been weathering all this insanity. Um, I read that when China lifted its quarantine, the number of people filing for divorce skyrocketed. So Jen offered our listeners some advice on how couples can come together to come out on the other side of all this unscathed or less scathed. Is that a thing? Um, She recommended that you sit down together, put down on paper three different scenarios. One is your best case scenario for how this whole situation could play out. Then the plan B. So an acceptable alternative path. And the last one I'm gonna let her describe.
3: As funny as it sounds, it can be really helpful to walk through that worst case scenario because that's where our brain goes in that panic and that fear mode. And that's why we're seeing people right now, you know, overbuying supplies, even like toilet paper. Um, that's panic mode, that's fear. And that's people going to that worst case scenario in their mind. And so, as a couple, as you talk through that worst case scenario, often what you find out is that you're really actually equipped to manage that. And if you can talk through it and you can realize you're equipped, those worries can go down to a more relaxed level. And then I say, take those plants and shelf them. You now have your scenarios figured out. That allows you to be more present, to take care of yourself, to take care of your children, and to do the important things on a day-to-day basis, other than letting your brain kind of run ahead with you. Yeah,
1: that sounds really good. My I know my wife would appreciate if I would sit down with and, and do that planning. Um Yesterday, I went to the grocery store and they were um, out of Nutella. So that's a pretty worst case.
3: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nutella and toilet paper.
4: Yeah, (laughs) that's
3: what people want, I guess. guess
1: (laughs) They have Nutella now, by the way.
2: I was wondering if there was an acceptable uh, alternative for Nutella.
1: Is there? I don't know. Hey. They have this fake Nutella. I'm not even willing to try it. No, no. But anyway. <laughs>
0: um,
1: no what I really love about what Jen has to say is um, I think it, it doesn't it, it applies obviously to relationships, this idea of, you know, let's just let's just brainstorm our worst case scenario and um, and then ask ourselves, is that really that bad? Or how would we solve that? And in a lot of cases, the worst thing we could think up, we could also probably solve that problem. And I like that. Um, It's never as bad as we think it is. And yep, it can be painful, but we have the tools if we really just pause, we have the tools to navigate it.
0: So did you then talk with your wife about the worst case scenarios through this?
1: Well, I mean, my wife and I are always talking. We have sat down a number of times and really uh, identified a lot of different scenarios. Um, You know, I'm I, I don't know if we've got to the point where we're super concerned that it's something some calamity is going to happen to us. I think we're lucky in that sense. Um, But we definitely have been thinking through different options, different options for like school for my kids, um, different options for where we're going to live, you know, and all these kinds of things. Uh, We are planners by nature. Well, my wife's especially a planner by nature. So we do spend a lot of time just kind of talking through like what might happen and how might we respond.
2: These were naturally conversations that my husband and I had when this the stay at home order first started. I was actually out of the country and I had to kind of rush home and yeah, it was, it was not a great scenario, but I came home and I found on my, um, on my kitchen wall, there was a SWOT analysis. If you're aware the strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats of this pandemic and how we are going to handle it. So needless to say, my husband was all on top of the planning. <laughs> But once I was actually in the house, we we (laughs) did have some conversations about like, you know, what would you do if then and one thing we did that I think is a little bit wacky uh, in retrospect is we bought a safe. (laughs) Not that we actually have any valuables at all Mm -hmm. worth putting in a safe, but it gave us a place to put like all those. Think about what are the important documents we would need? What if we need to leave the house quickly? What would we grab? Like it just kind of helped us think through the worst case scenario and develop a little bit of a plan. It was a good tool for us.
0: If I got a safe, I'd forget the combination. Me too.
1: I
2: honestly don't know the. Where the combination is.
0: <laughs> I just bury all my stuff <laughs> in the backyard. Beyond that, I got nothing. So,
1: okay. So, if you've been listening to this podcast, then you know that we end every episode with a call to action, some small activity that we offer to our listeners. So that's something they can do that can help them move a little closer toward better in whatever it is they're trying to improve so we can help them get beyond normal. So since I have Nate and Amy with me, and guys, I don't think I told you I was going to do this, but I want to see if we can't come up with three. So listeners, you can choose to do them all, just one. You can skip it all together. We'll never know. And Amy, you're first. So I want some sort of get better activity you might recommend to our listeners.
2: All right, so this is one that I've kind of learned from my own experience the last couple months, as well as listening to our experts on the podcast. And my piece of advice is take a walk. No matter what the situation is, if you are able to get out and take a walk, it will always help. (laughs) Uh, We learned from Jenny Evans that exercise helps us deal with stress and helps build our resiliency. So simply moving is helpful. But I would like to add on to my advice of take a walk. Make sure that you are mindful while you're walking, because I could take a walk and just stew about all the things I'm upset or worried about. It helps if I take a walk and think about, man, it feels great to move. These are the things that are going well. Have a gratitude moment. Um, At some point in the walk, it's really worked for me.
1: I like that. I've been trying to, anytime a meeting gets canceled, so anytime somebody cancels that meeting... I run outside, (laughs) if I can. I figure, well, I was going to be working this time, so now I have a window. I'm going to use it for myself, and uh, that's what I've been doing. All right, Nate, what do you have for us?
0: Mine, I guess, is kind of like Amy's. Take time every day to do something for yourself, no matter what it is. Through all the people we've talked to, no matter what, the same things we keep hearing are self-care, Super important. Always make sure that you're healthy. And when you're healthy, then you can help others. It doesn't matter what it is. And it maybe will change over time. But I think being purposeful about self care and taking time to work on yourself every day is huge.
1: I agree. That's a good one. So, Amy wants to get out and walk. Nate wants you to just do something for yourself first put on your, uh, your, your mask first kind of thing. And for me, I, what I want to recommend is that you all go out and check out our online course catalog at getbeing.thebigno.com This isn't marketing. It's is not what I'm trying to do. I just want to share something additional that we have to offer. Many of the experts we spoke with over the last few weeks have courses and lessons on our platform. And if you like what you heard in podcast form, you might want to try experience what we make the rest of the time when Nate and Amy and I and my whole team back at The Big No make cool online health and well-being courses. So go to getbeing.thebigno.com and you can check those out for a limited time. And that brings us to our close, the end of season one. And again, I don't really know if we're going to have a season two. I hope so. But I do know that our effort to help everyone get beyond normal isn't going to end. I want to thank my friends and colleagues, Nate Matson and Amy Conger for joining me today for all that you've done to make this podcast a reality. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, Tom. This is a blast.
1: Thank you, Tom. It's been awesome. It has been awesome. I really, really appreciate you too. Look, I know what we all want. We all just want to get back to normal, but we have to accept that normal, that's over. And if we really think about it, for a lot of us, normal wasn't working in the first place. Normal was stressing us out, normal was making us sad, normal was making us sick, normal was a problem. We can do way better than normal. Let's get Beyond Normal. Beyond Normal is a production of The Big No, where renowned experts teach the skills of health and well-being on demand. You can learn more about our licensable and custom health content solutions at thebigknow.com. That's the big, K-N-O-W, dot com. Beyond Normal is produced by Nate Matson. Assistant producer is TMR. Our theme music is from premiumbeat.com. This show is edited by Damon Kaler. And for this last episode, while it would take too long to name everyone, I want to extend a special thanks to all my friends and colleagues at The Big No. You all do amazing work that truly makes a difference in the lives of others, and I love working with you. I can't wait for the day that I can see you all in person. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.